Welcome to this University of Exeter Business School podcast. Today I'm talking to Professor Alex Gabassi. We will be discussing virtual networking, how people have been building contacts and relationships during the COVID-19 lockdown, and what lessons does it provide us about future social and professional networking. Alex, good afternoon. Hi, thanks Toby. Um, perhaps we could start the podcast by asking, I guess, an obvious question. What's been your motivation and trigger for, for, for looking more deeply at uh, networking, and particularly virtual networking? Yeah, so having some conversations with some colleagues, we were talking, we actually talk about this a lot, about how do people make their connections, right? And, and a lot of what I often teach about is actually helping people get over their fear of networking, because people generally... A lot of the research shows people tend to feel a little bit dirty or uncomfortable about it. And so what I always try to tell people is, you know, anytime you're having an interaction with somebody, you're building your network. And there's a great paper that just came out by one of our distinguished research professors, Jessica Mathot, on actually the power of chit-chat at work. So about all those social interactions that happen at the water cooler or the cafe that really build those social bonds that happen at work that help make work easier. We know that those informal connections at work make things easier. And as we were going into lockdown, it was pretty obvious to me, I no longer had those interactions with people. For us, it was often at the cafe at work. All those people I didn't see anymore. I was only seeing the people I specifically had meetings with. So this whole realm of connections I had were gone. So there were no more serendipitous interactions. You active, it, it's an active search process now, which made us really interested in, in sort of two levels of this. One, which was what are individuals doing for themselves and what were organizations doing to sort of support colleagues on, support their staff on this. And what, what's the, the research that you've, you've carried out in this area? Yeah, so we, we've done a pilot study of about a slightly over 100 people um, and asking them precisely those sort of two questions, you know, what has your company done to facilitate networking? You know, really people said, you know, this was immediately expanding Zoom licenses or Teams or whatever product was the preferred product of the organization. Are you a Google company? Are you a Zoom company? Are you a Microsoft company? Those seem to be the three themes. And some companies had much more or much easier with this because they already had distributed networks. They were already had a lot of virtual working, but there were a lot of organizations that were really face to face. And so their immediate response was, we need to replace all of our meetings from face to face to virtual meetings. Um, so you had this initial just flurry of people in Zoom meetings or Teams meetings. But they were really, our, our results really show that the organizations were really focused on the internal, basically replacing normal meetings with virtual meetings. That was the real focus. But individuals were finding that fine within your own company, maybe it was a little harder to navigate, but you know, you could just sort of send somebody a meeting request and that wasn't that hard. It was the other stuff. It was the sp spontaneous, it was the meetings, people outside of your organization. It was those interactions that come out of social functions. In England, you know, somebody you might run into at the pub or at a rugby match or a football match, but you don't, you don't have those interactions anymore. Or a lot of people have social interactions around their kids. A lot of those are gone unless they've been replaced by a virtual platform. Some of the schools have those. So people have had to really shift from 
social networks being spontaneous or serendipitous to actively searching, which has become that sort of dirty feeling that people have where I'm reaching out to you because I want something, you know? And we wanted to see what people were, how they were feeling about that and how they were getting around. And a couple of things came across. So there were much more reliance on sort of community networks. Let's put it that, call it that, usually facilitated by a platform. So, you know, whether it's like your local community Facebook group or a lot, you would hear a lot of stories about um, neighborhood WhatsApp groups and things like that. So people actually in a weird way had to make contact with the people that lived around them that maybe they didn't <laughs> beforehand, which was, which was sort of an interesting phenomenon I, for some people. I, I guess that's an interesting point on that one in that I, I suppose a natural inclination when you think about online social networks is it gives you the ability to talk to anyone in the world. But actually, if I'm interpreting it correctly, what people actually did was almost retreat into their immediate traditional communities. Yeah, I mean, it, a little bit depends on your personal history. So for some people, yeah, it would be your immediate community. Um, or you might rely on what we call latent ties. So, you know, all of a sudden, my university friends started to have much more regular sort of Zoom calls, you know, so connecting to people who maybe I see every couple of years, but all of a sudden, we're interacting a lot more. So there's sort of these latent ties coming up, which actually resulted in some really interesting, um, actually consulting gigs for various people with a sort of interesting way of sort of rekindling relationships, but also then forming another way of sort of reinforcing more local social networks. So in a somewhat um, ridiculous story, I wanted to get a kitten during lockdown and all the sh animal shelters were closed. All right, how am I gonna get a kitten? I'm not that well connected in the town I live in, but I have a friend who knows everybody. So what did I do? I did the other tactic rather than latent ties. I went through the strength of weak ties. So I asked her, do you know anybody who's having kittens? And she's like, of course I do. I'm going to connect you to this person. So that's the other way a lot of things started to happen was, are you connected to the right people? Are you connected to the brokers, right? So if you need something, do you know the people who know everybody? If it's certain parts of research, yeah, I'm your girl. But, you know, in my local community, having that friend who knows everybody was a really great step. So knowing who knows people has become more and more important in this in this situation and sort of summarizing that then what would you say are, are some of the the positives that have come out of this situation and um, that we might see carrying on and what are some of the yeah. more negative big challenges that you see happening well i think on one hand i i think that loss of spontaneous or serendipitous interactions is actually hard for people because I do think we're going to be working remotely for a, quite a bit longer. And I think that's a reasonable reaction. But what some companies have done, and I think is a really good thing, is institute a coffee morning or different times of the week where people get together and the topic of conversation isn't work. So being able to have a space for social interaction in the workplace, because it does reinforce all those bonds to getting things done. So we were, we were talking about this earlier, that ability to sort of see somebody at home, see their, their kitten, 
or their dog or their kid or whomever, their partner, wander in makes people a little bit more human. So that's actually kind of a good thing, but you, you have to get that balance between having the social part of work and not just the transactional or instrumental part of work. Companies are gonna need to find that balance within their organizations in terms of getting stuff done. But for individuals, I mean, I think actually it, it brings to focus actually how important it is to be aware of who is in your network, who are the people you can call on. So we were talking about LinkedIn earlier today. You know, going through your LinkedIn network, okay, do you actually know that person? Okay, probably, if you don't, you're probably not gonna be able to rely on them, but maybe you haven't talked to them in five or six years. That might be somebody you can rely on. So being really mindful of who the people you're connected to are and what benefit they might have for you. And I, I know that sounds really instrumental and that sometimes makes people feel a little bit icky, but if you are trying to solve a problem, that's, it's what you need to know. So going to the right person is helpful. And, and people I think actually right now are actually okay with being asked, you know? So you can just be like, hey, sorry, I haven't talked to you in a while. Um, hope you're well. And I'm looking for some help on X. And I think it's okay to do that. And I think people understand right now. So just being direct, there's nothing wrong with being direct. I actually think it's worse to, to come across with having an ulterior motive right now. So just sort of being like, hi, could you help me with this? That's okay. But things are going to look different and it is going to be harder. I know that soon a variety of things are opening up for us in the UK, but I still think there'll be this reticence about coming out. Well, some of us will be. I mean, on that, as we slowly revert back to working in the way we're used to and more physical proximity, um, what aspects of virtual networking do you think will carry on? Or do you think people are just going to revert back to more traditional forms of forming bonds and relationships just because that's the way we've always yeah. been as humans? Yeah, it is. it's hard to kind of know what will happen exactly. I mean, one of the things that you would hope happen, I've been having these conversations with some of my colleagues, is there's a lot of unnecessary travel we do. From, for us out in Exeter, you know, we, there used to be people who would just go up to London for a meeting. I mean, you know, for the environment's sake, climate's sake, there's there's no real reason why we, we necessarily have to be doing that. We, we need to be able to think it's an opportunity to do some things smarter that will help companies, individuals, and the, the environment to bring together our Exeter themes. As we know sustainability is really important to us. So I would, I would hope we'd see some more thought put into before we just go on a jolly jaunt for a business trip we're really thinking about why we're doing it and could that actually be done remotely. So on one hand, I hope this has gotten people over some of that need to sort of do as much travel. On the other hand, I do think some people are really struggling. People who've been working remotely will tell you, you know, you have the particular space to do this, you do X, Y, and Z. You obviously don't necessarily have the kids around or the this going on, your partner at home. So don't just assume that home workings for everybody all the time. There, there needs to be some flexibility, but we're also going to have to think about how our workspaces work, but also not disadvantaging those people who are working remotely. And I think that's a, because that's one of those, the, the difficult things are because so many things happen in the, at the water cooler or at the cafe or after work drinks or 
whatever social event your companies have, being left out of that by working remotely, we have to think about how that could potentially have negative effects on the, the promotability of other people because their networks are going to look different and they may not have as much in terms of social bonds. So it is a really, it's something we're going to have to think about really hard as we work on sort of HR processes and procedures to take into account more homeworking. If you were going to summarize you know, what, what three pieces of advice you'd have for individuals at the moment and, and perhaps three pieces of advice for how organizations need to get through this and perhaps change things, what, what would you say for both of those? I think the first piece of advice for an individual is don't be afraid to ask. If you, you don't ask, people aren't going to know. <laughs> they aren't going to know you need help. And whether that's internal to your company or external, you, you've got to ask. Sometimes you might have to put your ego down a little bit to do it. But I think especially given now that we're working, you know, you're going to miss out on some of those social interactions where people are sort of would have normally just sort of checked in and been like, hey, how are you doing? You're missing some of that. So you might also have to speak up a little bit in terms of asking for what you want and need. So that's going to be really important. I do actually think one of the really important things is don't forget to have social interactions. And I think that applies for both companies and individuals. So for companies, make sure you are having, and it doesn't have to be the entire institution to have a social event. That's probably not going to work. You actually want to have smaller social events so that people can actually talk to each other. I run a, a weekly coffee meeting for my college and I can kind of manage 15 people. Bigger than that, um, I use breakout rooms because otherwise people don't get to hear themselves talk and they like to hear that. So there's an art to managing those things, but it is really important to have those social things. We've actually bridged a lot of departments, hierarchical levels by having those coffee meetings. And they've actually been a really good thing. So that's almost something you could take out of it. If your company doesn't already have a social event, even when we do come back, having those weekly or bi-weekly sort of coffee or whatever it is does make a real difference and it does help to sort of bring down some of those boundaries. I think those are really important things. I think for organizations, we are really going to have to think about, because we will have more remote workers, is how we don't create two classes of people, the face-to-face -face ones and the virtual ones, because I think that's a very real possibility. And we really want to make sure people are integrated. Yes, we have to give people options. Yes, we are going to have to work more virtually, but don't leave out the fact that by people working virtually, they're going to be missing out on some of the social niceties and the, the social capital, really, that emerges from those face-to-face -face interactions. Well, Alex, thank you ever so much uh, for talking to the podcast today. That's uh, much appreciated. Thank you very much indeed. It's always a pleasure.